Welcome to Urban Principle, leadership lessons brought to you by BrettAndersonConsulting.com. And now here's your host, Brett Anderson. And welcome back to another podcast. We are on episode 214, season 5, and this is the Positivity Ratio for Leaders. And you may remember remember last time we started talking about a book called Positivity by Barbara L. Fredrickson, Ph.D., and uh, it was top-notch research uh, reveals the upward spiral that will change your life. And we talked about positivity, and she talked about it not being just happiness, but actually a variety of different uh, emotions and things, and she called... Uh, um, she listed all of these, and I kind of briefly touched on them. She talked about joy, gratitude, serenity, pride, uh, interest, hope, amusement, inspiration, awe, and love. Remember that the last one she uh, ended with was love. So this time, let's look at that ratio uh, for leaders because there's some uh, research that shows some effects uh that positivity can have on people. Um, we all know that anyway. We talk about building a positive culture all the time. Um, and she kind of ends a chapter here saying, build your best future, uh, fuel, fuel your resilience. Uh, now let's explore positivity and neg negativity and how they work together to tip your life toward flourishing. And she talks about a discovery about positivity and she talks about a uh, in a chapter she calls the butterfly in the boardroom. And uh, Lasada, a researcher who uh, looked into different teams and how they work together. I'm just going to jump through some of this because I don't want to spend, uh, it'll take too much time to get into the detail too much. Uh, you can sure look up this book in its entirety. It's called Positivity, like I said, by Barbara Fredrickson. Um, this jumping into the chapter says... Uh, he later divided teams into high, low, and mixed performance teams, and striking differences emerged. And this was the research of Lasada. He said high performance teams stood out with their unusually high positivity ratios at about 6 to 1. By contrast, and that's positivity to negativity. By contrast, low performance teams had ratios well below 1 to 1. And mixed performance teams sat just above that at about 2 to 1. High-performance teams also had higher connectivity and an interesting balance on other dimensions. They asked questions as much as they defended their own views and cast their attention outward as much as inward. Low-performance teams, however, had far lower connectivity, asked almost no questions, and showed almost no outward focus. Again, mixed-performance teams sat in between those. Um... And remember, we talk about the ratio with students as four to one is the uh, happy place, you could say, of where they usually say to keep that positive ratio at least four to one. And I've heard five to one and I've heard higher, but four to one is where at least you should be in positive behavior intervention supports, making sure that those students get uh, positives and plenty of positives, especially if you're working with the high poverty population where they come with a lot of negatives and we've talked about that before, too, the number of negatives they come with before they even get to school. So increasing that to at least four to one. And that's why uh, many uh, PBIS plans have incentives that acknowledge students and the good things they're doing and uh, incentives and also do the uh, things we've talked about before, like pride powers 
and things like that to acknowledge that. Well, when you're talking adults, it can be the same thing. Uh, they need positives as, as well. I'm going to jump back into the chapter here. It says the uh, hallmark feature of the nonlinear dynamic systems is reflected in the term commonly known as the butterfly effect, in which seemingly trivial inputs, like the flapping of a butterfly's wings in one location, can disproportionately determine later con conditions elsewhere. I've come to think of positivity as a flapping of the butterfly's wing, like the fluttering butterfly. Positivity can produce astonishingly disproportionate outcomes. How else might today's subtle and fleeting heartfelt sense of goodness launch a positivity cascade that reshapes the very course of your life and forecasts how long you live? Um, and he talks about that in the boardroom and how it affected teams, like I was just saying, a highly functional team. And that remember that ratio was a 6 to 1, and the mid-range was 2 to 1, and then of course the low was 1 to 1. Uh, continuing forward a little bit on this uh, because there's some other uh, data that supports the positivity ratios with adults. Uh, another thing that was found remarkable among flourishing marriages, positivity ratios were about 5 to 1. Uh, by sharp contrast, languishing and, and failed marriages had positivity ratios lower than 1 to 1. Although Gottman was, this is work by Gottman, was not working to test Lasada's math, his nonetheless supports it. And he says, but wait, there's more. Or she says, there's more. This time the evidence comes from a scientist named Robert Schwartz, a practicing clinical psychologist. Schwartz had developed his own mathematical model rooted in uh, Boolean algebra to suggest that optimal positivity ratios are about 4 to 1. So that's back to what we've talked about with students. He compares these to normal positivity ratios, the ones most people have, which are about 2 to 1. So he's calling normal 2 to 1. By contrast, he suggests that pathological positivity ratios, for example, those of depressed people, are lower than 1 to 1. And then they go on to talk about how they tested that, but that shows you again uh, some of the, the ratios there. Uh, let's see, this is in a chapter she calls Now You See It, Now You Don't. The tipping point reveals the trick uh, to this vexing shell game. Below 3 to 1, positivity may well be inert. Swamped as it is by the greater uh, potency of negativity, perhaps only above 3 to 1 do the underdogs of positivity gain adequate strength and numbers to stand up to and overcome negativity. And we talk about the uh, need to uh, almost bombard students, especially in poverty, with positive uh, comments and progress and how they're doing and uh, just in building their confidence and building their success in school because they come with such a low ratio, uh, usually on the negative side too. Positivity may need to accumulate and compound to a certain degree before it reaches the crucial tipping point. Only then will the broaden and build effects of positivity emerge. Only then will people see the astonishing benefits of positivity blossom in their own lives. Uh, and then I'm jump down here a little bit. And he talks about some tests and research he did. Even I was surprised by the resulting bar charts for those with positivity ratios below 3 to 1. The bars indicated indicating good outcomes like broad thinking or built resources uh, hovered near zero. For them, positivity was inert, useless. Yet for those with positivity ratios exceeding 3 to 1, 
the bars rose dramatically for them. Positivity forecasts both openness and growth in, in openness and growth. Only these people truly enjoyed the sweet fruits of positivity. The data told a clear story. Now you see it, now you don't. So above that three to one. And then she talks about 11 to one, another tipping point, question mark. Uh, back in chapter two, I introduced the three to one positivity ratio as my prescription for how you can lead a flourishing life full of expansive possibilities and lifelong growth. If 3 to 1, 4 to 1, and 5 to 1 ratios each describe the good life, why have any negativity at all? Why not shoot for 100 to 1? Here we all might protest that a life without suffering is hardly possible, hardly human. Could any person, marriage, or team ever achieve a state of pure positivity? I don't think so. But even so, perhaps being negativity-free is an ideal worthy of our striving. Could there be a level of flourishing beyond what's currently imaginable? The beauty of having a mathematical model like Lesotho's in your scientific toolkit is, is that even if you can't locate that one in a million person, marriage or team, that experiences no negativity at all, you can still make a stab at answering questions about pure positivity. The mass, math tells us that the upper bound for flourishing is around 11 to 1. 11 to 1, that's extremely high, isn't it? Uh, 11 to 1 and I do agree that you do need uh, uh, you're going to have discrepancies in your life and you're going to have uh, disagreements and your teams are going to have disagreements and we've talked about the importance of that uh, that rumbling that we've talked about with Brene Brown and for your teams to be able to disagree and for people to be able to disagree with leaders and to be able to share true opinions for there to be true growth and to be able to do it in a safe environment on a safe team for that matter. Uh, let me continue a little bit. As as is true in many realms of life, more is not always better. Probably problems may well occur with too much positivity. Yet I see a more useful lesson hidden in the upper limit to flourishing negativity is also a necessary ingredient in the recipe for a flourishing life. Uh, go figure, a book about positivity also endorses negativity. Perhaps not all negativity, but rather appropriate neg negativity is appropriate. And I think that's important to know, too. Uh, jumping ahead a little bit more, it says, So knowing that positivity is life-giving doesn't mean that negativity needs to be forever banished. It can't be. Life gives us plenty of reasons to be afraid, angry, sad, and then some. Without negativity, you become a Pollyanna. With, with, a, forced down, with a forced clown smile painted on your face. You lose touch with reality. You're not genuine. In time, you drive others away. I've come to see the ratio of positivity to negativity as the uncanny balance between levity and gravity. Levity is that unseen force that lifts you skyward, whereas gravity is the opposing force that pulls you earthward. Um, and it's always important to add levity to your meetings and your teamwork and your work with staff. And the important piece here, of course, is providing that positive ratio and increasing that positive ratio, even with adults, of that positive to negative. And I think increasing it, as we've read here, and we saw that the upper limits are that 11 to 1 that's in like an ideal that most people are never going to hit. And then that uh, above that 4 to 1, 5 to 1, and even, as she said, that 3 to 1 is uh, stable, but... Uh, pushing for that 4 to 1 or that 5 to 1 uh, can increase the effectiveness of your teams and actually get your staff working 
towards that more of a positive culture. So keep thinking about those positive ratios and what you're doing to share that positivity with your staff in a sincere uh, fashion. And I'd like to have end with a couple quotes. And before I do that, I want to share an acronym I came across. And the acronym is PEACE. And this acronym stands for Positive Energy Activates con continu or Constant Elevation. Let me say that again. PEACE. Positive energy activates constant elevation. Positive energy activates constant elevation. Uh, it's a perfect quote to think about as you work for pushing those positive ratios with your staff as a leader. And as I close tonight, I'd like to share a couple quotes I found that I liked. Uh, one we've used before, but it's appropriate at the time. Uh, the first one is change your thoughts and you change the change your world. And that's Norman Vincent Peale. So keeping that more positive outlook, which he was big on. And then our last one by Einstein, stay away from negative people. They have a problem for every solution. And I just love that quote. It's an excellent quote. So as always, keep promoting effective leadership through productive culture changes. And until next time, let's remember to stay positive. You've been listening to Urban Principle. Leadership lessons brought to you by BrettAndersonConsulting.com.